The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. In today's message, Brother John Morgan Owens preaches to us about the disfigurement of sin. When Adam fell in the garden, all of humanity was plunged into the curse of sin. Sin is a disfiguring thing. Sin can be physically disfiguring. All of our ailments, physical ailments, health ailments, all the problems of life can all be traced back to the curse of sin. But in a spiritual sense, Sin is devastating. In fact, sin is so devastating that apart from the grace of God, we would be permanently banned from his presence. But oh, praise his name that he didn't just have mercy, he also had grace. In the first half of this message, Brother John Morgan deals with the disfigurement of sin and points us to the only remedy which exists, which is the blood of Christ. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
Turn with me to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled, and it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. Now what I want to talk to you about this morning is the disfigurement of sin. Okay, all, We all have sin in our lives, we all have sin in this world, and it disfigures us. It leaves us scarred and broken. Here we have a man... Mephibosheth, now this was Jonathan's son. So this was Saul the king, Jonathan was his son, and then uh, this boy, Mephibosheth, was uh, the grandson to the king. So when the news got to them that Saul and Jonathan had, had been killed in battle, that made, according to man's logic, that made this boy the king, right? The, the, the heir to the throne. Now, we know that God had taken the kingdom from Saul and given it to David, right? But nonetheless, according to man's thinking, this was the new king, this five-year-old boy. And so the nurse knew, I've got to get him out of here. There's a, this is a great time of upheaval, upheaval in the kingdom that, that this boy would be a target. That according to the way that things normally go, is that whoever would come in would overthrow the kingdom. They would go and they would wipe out all of the potential threats to their, to their leadership. So they would go and they would kill this boy because they wanted to stomp out any uh, potential, uh, potential heir to the throne, right? And so they take this boy, five years old, and they load him up and they're leaving and he falls. Maybe he falls off the horse, maybe he falls off the carriage, I don't know what it was, but he fell, he hurt himself in that fall, and he was lame for the rest of his life. Now, you may not have an injury like that, a handicap like that that you've been carrying for your whole life. Many of us do. But I want you to notice here, this, this young man, this boy, was injured in a fall, <laughs> that made him lame. Now, whether you've got scars on your body, whether you've got a limp, whether you've got any of these other type of permanent disfigurements, you've got one that I know of. That's you, you were made lame in a fall. All of us were broken. All of us were bruised and scarred in the fall of Adam when we all fell in sin. Right? Now, from that day, we have all been lame, just like this boy. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 3 really quickly. I want us to read the curse of sin, the judgment that God, um, that God spells out. In Genesis 3, and we'll look at verse 16, we'll skip over the curse that he gives to Satan. I want to see what he tells to us to his uh, creation, his children, that as we broke the law, what was, what was the result of that? He says, unto the woman, he said, now, now remember this, 
Eve was deceived of Satan. She ate of the fruit first, and then she got Adam to. Okay? Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy, des thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And then he says to Adam, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. It says, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Man, that is a, a chilling curse that God brings down on us. This is, this is where uh, death enters the picture because of our failure, because of our sin. Adam sinned in the garden. You, you notice that the curse that was given to Eve is different, okay? She said that, he said that, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. But it was Adam's sin. It was Adam's uh, fault, if you will, that the curse of sin and death came on, okay? Eve was deceived. Also notice this, the commandment was given to Adam. The commandment to not eat of that was given to Adam, okay? Now, I want us to notice just a few things before we move on. In verse 16, it says this, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. I was interested as to what that, what that meant. Uh, that, that word sorrow uh, is, is literally the word for birth pangs. You know, so we have, we have all kinds of, of pain that people experience. You know, they're, they're all kind of scales. Pain is, is sort of, uh, it's hard to quantify the level of pain you can feel, but almost everybody agrees that uh, birth uh, pain, travail, uh, is one of the, the most pain that a person can endure, right? But, but notice this also. It says sorrow, and that word, that Hebrew word, sounds almost exactly like the Hebrew word for tree. Now, I think we get, in all of these images that we're going to look at of disfigurement and scarring, we always, always see there's always hope there's always a ray of hope shining through of your Savior. That He would take all of our sorrows, all of the birth pains of all of creation, and, and my fault, and Adam's fault, and all of our pain, the scarring, the disfigurement of sin, and He would take it, and He would nail it to a tree, and He would bear it for us. Even in that very first statement of the curse, I believe he was showing forth an image of his salvation. And then, of course, to Adam, he says that it's going to be by the sweat of your brow. You know, I don't believe that work 
The idea of work was something that came about after the fall. I believe that that was something that was in place. As a matter of fact, he said, go till the ground. Tend to this garden that I've given you. I believe work would have been something that we all would have enjoyed to do back then, though. The problem that I have with, with my work, my job wouldn't exist. <laughs> my job would not exist, praise the Lord. It would not exist if we had not fallen in sin. But think about how different life would be if we're working, if we're, if we're, I don't even know if we would call it toiling, but if you're just working the garden. Imagine how easy it would be if you didn't have uh, insects affecting your crops, if you didn't have to weed it, if you didn't have to worry about the thorns and the thistles. Everything just worked, you know? We all see the scarring of sin. We all just... We can't imagine a world without it. You know, it's no telling how different it would be if we didn't have sin in this world. For one, we would not have death. No death. Can you imagine it? There, there's, there's, a, there's coming a day. <laughs> there's coming a day where we won't have death anymore. We won't have these scars anymore. Think about, some of you may have scars on your body. Um, a protracted disfigurement, as we'd call it in the law. You know, you can, of course, we've got many degrees of, of crimes that we punish in our society. And we think of murder being the, the highest one, right? And then you got like attempted murder, which is you had the intent to murder, but you just, you just failed to complete it. And then you've got like assault first and things like that that require something called serious physical injury. Now, that's hard, to, that's hard to kind of quantify, but one way you can prove serious physical injury is if you show protracted disfigurement. And you can do that by showing scarring. Scarring that lasts. Um, I've got scars on my body. They all have stories, right? You know, I've got a scar on my face. You might not be able to notice it anymore where I was bit by a dog when I was a boy. I've got scars on my hands and on my arms from football and from various other injuries. You may have scars from surgeries that you've had. Um, you know, what's, what's the deal with a scar? It is a, it is a token to you that you were not able to completely heal from that. That it remains with you. It will be there forever. Any of you have had chicken pox, you know? You, you, you've got that virus in you. You are scarred for life. Sorry. You know, you know, it's really, you can really get, cheer yourself up when you're sitting there and you're thinking about the results of sin in your bodies, the scarring, the permanent disfigurement that we all have. We see what's going on in, in the world. We see the wars. We see the broken homes and families in our communities. I see children all the time that, that come in. They have been broken to the core and scarred for life because of sin. And they will bear that. They may even pass those scars on to their children. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see these scars. Let's go to Romans chapter 5 really quickly. 
Romans chapter 5, and we'll look at verse 10 really quickly. Um, we're going to have to jump into the middle of the context, but I believe we won't abuse it. It says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. We need to notice this before we move any further. When we fell in sin, this is going to explain to us how we were represented in Adam. When he fell, we all fell. But notice, it didn't just make us sick. It didn't just make us uh, in need of some help. It made us enemies to God. It made us completely on the separate camp from God. And not only that, but it plunged us not into a state of sickness, but into a state of death. Now that is discouraging, right? That's discouraging if you have a little God. But it's encouraging to me. Because I see my condition. I see the scars that sin has left all over me. And then I see a God. I see a God who's going to heal all of those scars. Who's not limited in any way by my failures. Whose arm is not shortened that He cannot save me out of the pit of death. Now that is a God that we're here to worship today. So He says, when we were enemies... Uh, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. You realize that, that you now, as a blood-bought child of God, sitting in grace, you're no longer His enemy. How much more of a benefit is it to you to sit in grace if He loved you enough to save you from your rebellion, to save you from your death, how much more now that you sit in life will He bless you? <laughs> you see, He has taken the marring of your sin, the disfigurement of your sin, and He fixed it on the cross. Now how much more... <laughs> How much more beautiful is your relationship with Him going to be now that you're sitting in a condition that He has fixed all of your problems? Now, I get it. I get it. We are in a, we're in a state now where we still have these sin-cursed bodies. So we still sin. But there is a part of you that He has redeemed that does not sin, that is perfect, that is ready for heaven right now. You realize that? Do you realize that, that if you were to pass away right now, there is a part of you that is like an arrow already pulled back and ready to be loose to go to heaven? Your soul is ready. Now, our bodies are not. If, if you were to take this body, this body with the scars that I have, with the, with the faults that I have, and put me in heaven... I can't handle it. I'm not fit for heaven. But God has told us that He will come back for these bodies. He has purchased these bodies, redeemed these bodies, and you will be there in heaven glorified. What does that mean? That means 
that you're going to be glorified, right? It means that all of the things that you've ever experienced in your life are you know, all tainted with problems. We're all, we, we all have every decision that you make. Brother Chris has said this, and I love it. He says everything that we do is tainted with sin. Everything that I've done, every good thing that I've done has been tainted in some way. But imagine this. Imagine how many decisions you have made that have been tainted by your body, by your sin-cursed body. How many times do you make a decision based off of what you need to eat for your body? <laughs> or, or you've made a decision based on your tiredness of your body. Or maybe, or maybe you, you make decisions based on your bad knees, on your bad back. You say, well, I can't lift that because of my back. I've got to, I've got to somehow work my life around my problems. Imagine what it would be like to be in the presence of God, for Him to have glorified your body, and all of your problems are not there anymore. All of your scars are not there. You are just as God intended you to be. Now that's, that's a reality. That's not just some great fairy tale that we tell ourselves to make ourselves sleep at night. That is a reality. More real, more real than, than my presence here this morning. Amen. It is a reality we will all see in the flesh, not just in the spirit. We'll see it in the flesh. No scars there. I'll continue reading. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. Many people would tell you that a life of a disciple is a life where you have to constantly be glum and sad. We tell ourselves that too, don't we? We convince ourselves that God requires perfection, that He wants us to be miserable. And that is not true. He says here, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. People ought to look at you and see that you have something, that you have joy. I believe that that is an element in your life that we undervalue. We talk about truth. We talk about love. These are all good things, but joy. You know, if you really are holding on to the promises of God, you ought to be having a little joy in your life. And guess what? Joy is free, everybody. It's free. It is free to end your day when things are not going right to have a little joy. People will ask you about that. They say, why do you have a good attitude when this deal just went bad or everything just went wrong and the printer's not working and everything's going, going south, you know? And you just say, well, I have a hope in Christ. You know, this, this is all temporary. Uh, we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now receive the atonement. We have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see what's happening here? 
One man sinned. We were represented in the garden there by Adam. When he fell in sin, death passed because of sin. Death is the result of sin. And sin passed to us and death passed to us, okay? Now, um, we give Adam a hard time sometimes. We say, you know, it's Adam's fault. We blame it on Adam. You know, it, we say this jokingly, but if I'd have been there, I'd have done it sooner. I'd have done it quicker. We don't know how long it took for Adam to transgress. They may have been there for years. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. I just know this, that he was our perfect representative. Okay? He wasn't like our representatives that we have now that are, that are flawed and that are, that are men just like us. Adam was not like you in this. He was sinlessly perfect for a little bit, right? Before sin came. It says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. We can talk about that, but I don't have time to discuss it right now. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who was the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. What's happening here? I know that's a lot of language. What's happening here is he is telling us that we were represented by one man in the garden by Adam. We were also represented by one man on the cross, Amen. Jesus Christ. Amen. You realize that as, as Adam sinned in the garden, I sinned with him. And as Jesus hung on the cross, as he was nailed to that cross, my sins were nailed there too. Amen. And that's one of the reasons why we, we take part in baptism. It's saying I identify with him. That, that I, when, when he was buried... I was buried with him. And when he came back out of that grave, I came back out of that grave with him. Amen. That's why we do baptism. The scars that we have, the disfigurements that we have, and the scarring of sin is temporary. Can you believe that? Isn't that the best news you've heard all day? That all of these problems that we have, they're all temporary. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.